0: This is No Love Live with Pastor Tim Warholik. Tim is the senior pastor of Paradise Calvary Chapel in Las Vegas, Nevada. To know you, and to love you, to live in your presence, Lord. And to know you, and to love you, to live like there's so much more. I feel like I haven't seen you guys since last year. You're welcome. Be here all year. Do you guys remember some of the predictions in, in the 1980s and 1990s of what the year 2020 was going to look like? you guys remember? Like flying cars. What's that? Um, flying cars and, and kinds of crazy technology. And while we're not there yet, we do have another year before we get there. So who knows? I I always wanted a flying car. That's what I was looking forward to. I'm a little disappointed we don't have them yet, but maybe next year we can buy a flying car. All right. Glad we're all on the same page. Okay. So I want to have Isaiah and Valerie come up on stage. Come on up. During the first service, I didn't warn them about this, and they were very surprised, but now they know that I was going to do it. I like surprising and blessing people. So this is Isaiah and Valerie. Isaiah does our rides ministry and has been involved with with the church since we started the church from the very beginning. And Valerie is doing an internship with us right now. And I just wanted to grab these guys and let you know how many of you guys got the Paradise Devotional. Does anybody? You guys, how, how's it going so far? You, it's going well. It's 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 sweet. Very good. It's a blessing. Um, Isaiah and Valerie are the reason that you have that in your hands. They did all of the editing, proofreading, compiling of the devotionals, talking to you if you've written a devotional before. So I just wanted to recognize them and bless them for their gifts in the body of Christ. We're all members of one body. And by them using their gifts, you could be blessed this year to go through that daily devotional with us as a church. So I want to give them a round of applause if you guys don't mind. They did a great job. It's professional. Both of them are gifted as authors and editing, um, so we're glad that they get to use those gifts. I'm going to pray for them real quick. Father, thank you for these two, and I just pray, God, that you would uh, bless and encourage them to continue in their gifts, that you would remind them that you've given these for your glory to plant seeds for your kingdom, and the fruit that comes from it's going to be for your glory, God. So just continue to hone those gifts for them, Lord. And give them other new opportunity this year to, to exercise those gifts. And thank you for the fruit that we get to hold in our hands now and be blessed by. We love you and we thank you. And In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay, so if you need a Bible, go ahead and raise your hand and somebody will get you a Bible so you can follow along with us. We're in Acts chapter 27, finishing the second part of the chapter. Next week, we're in Acts chapter 28 for two weeks. We're in our four week series, The Journey is Greater Than the Destination. And some people would argue with me and say, No, the whole reason you go on a journey is to get to the destination. But if you're not engaged in the process that God has you in right now, the journey is the process, then and you may miss some things that he wants to do in your life through the journey. As we started last week, we saw Paul on his way to Rome because God said that Paul was going to Rome. That's where he wanted him. And the next chapter and a half that we're going to look at, <clears throat> we may ask ourselves, why Did it have to be so difficult for him? And I've had this question before, brothers and sisters. I've had people ask me before Pastor Tim, why does the journey have to be so difficult? And this is why. This is the answer to that question. It's because we're all in the same boat. We all go through the same trials. We all have the same disappointments. We all have the same highs. We all go through the same lows. And not, not, not the Christian boat that says, you know, smooth sailing on the side, happy times, easy going. No, we're in the boat with the whole world. We're all in the same boat together. We're going into the same storms. We're going through the same things. And the things that set, the thing that sets us apart is our divine relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. And Paul's life looked differently on the boat than everybody else. Paul's response was different from everybody else on the boat. Remember last week, he said to them, you guys, we should not go on this trip. How many people listened to Paul? Zero. They didn't want to hear what he had to say. Why? Because... They, they had an investment in that boat. They had goods. They were looking for a payday. And it was in their best interest to get back as fast as they could so that they could take that. God had a different purpose in them going. Last week's message was smooth sailing with the question mark. This week, the message's title is Worst Case Scenario. How many of you guys go through, when making decisions, what's the worst case scenario? (laughs) And you make your decision based on the worst. But that's not really valid, is it, though? It's not really a good process to go through when you think about worst case scenario because technically, the worst case scenario is you die. (laughs) You're dead, and then it doesn't matter anymore anyway. It's like worst case scenario Should I make this decision? Should I do this thing? Best case scenario, you know where you're going because you're submitted to God and you're okay with and connected to the process he wants to take you through during that journey. And hopefully through the journey, Paul was the same man and even in more confidence when he got to Rome, but the people on that boat we're going to see over the next three weeks, their lives were changed. And today, we're going to see the first one that was truly touched by the faith that Paul had in God and his connectedness to the process that God was going to take them through, even though it was very difficult. So starting in chapter 27, 13, before we begin, let's go to the Lord and pray. God, we're so grateful to you that you are so faithful and that we can trust you, that we can depend on you, that with you we know what we're getting. You tell us not to worry about tomorrow because you've taken care of it. You're taking care of us, and we want to be a people, your church, It's not just submitted in the the sense of submission to you, but submitted to you in connecting and being connected to the process that you want to take us through and knowing that it's going to be good no matter how dark it looks and how difficult it gets. We can say that because we know who you are. Just like Paul knew who you are. Father, we pray that that time of worship would be a blessing to your ears, that we would offer you the fruit of our lips. We pray, God, for the studying of your word and the rest of these verses in this chapter, that we would honor you by by submitting ourselves to you in this process and, and seeking you in your word. And Father, I pray that you bless the tithes and offerings that are made today We also want that not to be something that's done in compulsion or something that we think that we have to do, but but would be a joy and would be an act of worship to you, recognizing who you are. We worship you. We pray that you would bless your word because it is blessed. Give us ears to hear in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Chapter 27, what we're going to do is, last week I gave you seven reasons why it's more important for you to consider the, the journey than the destination, right? Does anybody remember one reason that, that you should consider the journey is greater than the destination? Anybody? Thank you. Good. We got one person. Anybody else? That's okay. We're, I'm going to give you seven more this morning. So you had seven reasons last week why you need to be more engaged in in, in the journey than worried about the destination. And this week, I'm going to give you seven more. So if you're a note taker, the calendars in your seat backs in front of you, by the way, those are new calendars for the events and things we have coming up in January. On the backside of that calendar is a space for you to take notes. I'd love for you to follow along. As I get to each word, I'll tell you the word in the text. You can write it down and follow along with us, okay? Here we have our first word in the first verse 13. When the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their desire, putting out to sea, they sailed close by to Crete. Paul says, we should not go on this journey. They say, oh, we want to go. And then what, what did they say last week? The majority agreed. We're going, Paul. We're not listening to you. That is going to be the last time that they don't listen to Paul collectively, because they're going to start to see that maybe this guy's on to something. And it says there, your first word if you're taking notes is "supposing." They supposed that they were going to get what their desire. What was their desire? To set sail and to go arrive so that they could have their payday unloading their ship and making it to their destination. You know, the Bible says that God gives us the desires of our heart, and that really is qualified uh, by the fact that if we are seeking God, we are seeking to, to receive. Uh, Uh, the the relationship with God that He desires to us to have, that we will receive the the desires of our heart because our desires are going to be set on Him. And that's the circle, that's the blessing that it's going to look like. But these guys' desires are not on God, is it? Are they? These guys' desires are on themselves. They, They desire, and supposing that they would obtain their desire, putting to sea, they sailed close by Crete. And all because of the wind blew softly. And they say, yes, we can get what we wanted to get. When we suppose by our own desires, it's going to be a difficult journey. It's going to be tumultuous, as we're going to see. And we're not going to understand when things happen, why they're happening to the full extent. But when we suppose, when we are submitted to God, Even though the journey can be difficult, there will be some part of it that makes sense more than the others. So our first word, supposing that they were going to get what they wanted, isn't that what the world does? They just want to get what they want. But not long after, a tempestuous headwind arose called Euroclidon. a tempestuous headwind arose. You know what a headwind is, right? It's a wind that blows on your head. It goes against you. You're going in a certain direction and it's prohibiting you. It's going in the opposite direction. And this wind, this storm was so bad, church, that it had a name. You're a client. Do we name storms today? What kind of storms do we name? We, we mean bad storms. And for some reason, if you look at them, they all have women's names. You guys laughed way more than the first service and you're all you men are in trouble. Because is that a fact? I don't know. I don't think it is. See, there's at least one man in there. The point is, this is a bad storm. This is not a storm That you want to be going anywhere near. And here they find themselves, because of their own desire, opposing, going against the word of God. What was spoken. We don't want to go on this trip. We find them going into probably the most difficult storm of their lives. And these guys, most of them, the sailors, have been doing this professionally for a long time. We're going to look at that And see that in a minute as well. But not long after this tempestuous headwind arose called Euroclidon, so when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we let her drive. Everybody say with me, we let her drive. You guys know what that means? That means that they were completely helpless. That there was nothing that they could do. Have you ever been in a season in life before where you got to just let her drive? There's no, Take your hands off the wheel. The second word for you is drive or driven. Because that's what we're going to find out that, that these couple verses are talking about. And running under the shelter... Of an island called Clotta, we secured the skiff with difficulty. When they had taken it on board, they used cables to undergird the ship, fearing lest we should run aground on the citrus sands. They struck sail and so were driven. I've been there before. I think maybe most of you have as well. Completely out of your control one thing after another, and it's like relentless, like a wave. You can always expect the next wave is coming. And the best that they could do was try to run ropes around the bottom of the ship to try to hold things together. Have you ever felt like you're just trying to hold things together? I'm just trying to hold myself together. I don't know how much more of this I can take. But when you are submitted to God in the process, at this point, I don't believe there's any concern on Paul's end. Maybe we get a hint of it in, in the next few verses coming up, but there's gonna start, they're gonna start asking questions and looking at how this man, Paul's, responding, and it's different than how everybody else's respond. Even in those seasons that you may go through, because if the world goes through storms that they're completely out of control of and they have to be driven, then if we're in the same boat, we're going to find ourselves in the same situation. Correct, church? And I find myself looking at my life and hoping and praying that I respond differently than the rest of the world when I'm in that storm because I'm in it with them. And if I can identify with the fact that they're going through it and I can go through it, maybe I can have something to say to them to help them understand who God is. Notice as they're flipping out and trying to hold the ship together, and what's their emotional response? It says there in the text. Does anybody see what their emotional response is? Yell it out when you see it fear. They were scared. And this is what the enemy wants to do. He wants to scare you. This process is not going to be good for you. Worst case scenario, you're dead. You better do something about it. But perfect love casts out fear. And we are not to be people in the storm who fear because our God is greater than the storm. He created the storm. Now, that's a hard thing for us to wrap our minds around sometimes. God knows that the storm was coming. He allows us to go into it and through it because he wants us to engage him in the process. And we as Christians, one of the things that frustrates me very much right now is how fear-mongering has entered into the church. And fear-mongering has no place in the church of God whatsoever. I love how the the headlines change from day to day. I open the news my newspaper on my web browser, because that's how you do it now, and I read the headlines, and it says, the stock market's crashing, everything's gonna die, we're all gonna, this is the worst. We're entering into the worst depression America has ever will ever. Do you need to turn me down? Am I too loud, you guys? Ever in the history of the world, it's the worst ever. We're all gonna it's terrible. It's The next day, I kid you not, the next day, and and the the people that I, the web page that I go to, I won't mention any names, but when it's really bad, when it's really, really bad, the font is in red, because, and when it's really good, the font is in green, you know, red is first stop. Green is for go. The next day, stock market's up 750 points. We haven't had this kind of gain in the history of the stock market. We're going to be kings. Everybody's going to be great. That Real estate is unbelievable. And I'm like, would you guys just make up your mind? Are we going to die or are we in the best place ever? I don't know if you guys saw in the news a couple weeks ago, but for the, for the prophecy update of 2019, last Sunday, uh, I shared this with the people who came to that prophecy update for 2019. And, and it was just released that Russia just developed and released publicly that they now have a missile capable of traveling at 20 times the speed of sound. The fastest missile in history. This baby is so fast. It's so fast that the missile defense systems that the world, different people, especially you know, us, have in place that that it, it, they cannot stop this missile. This missile is so fast that it cannot be detected. Super megasonic. And Russia's like, oh, we got this missile now. This thing's so bad boy fast that you guys aren't even going to know when we launch it. And you're not even going to know where it's going. You can't even track it, right? How does that make you feel right now? Oh, I'm kind of (laughs) scared. What's going to happen? The world? No. You know why I'm not scared when I hear news like that? Because I'm of a different kingdom than the kingdom of this earth. I know who God is. I know that the journey may get difficult sometimes, but I know that as I engage with him in the process, that I'm going to get through it and everything's going to be okay. And, and, and worst case scenario, I die from a supersonic missile. And then what? I get to be with God for all eternity. So if I'm in the right place in the process, I can receive this doom and gloom bad news and flip it on its head and say, I've actually got some good news for you that'll make you feel better. This is my perspective in the process. And it's not a response of fear because that's what the good news is. It's it's good. It's It's something that gives us life. It doesn't take away from life. It doesn't rob life from us. In fact, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. So they were being driven. And because we were exceedingly tempest-tossed, the next day they lightened the ship. On the third day, we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands. I love how things change and and people's perspective changed so quickly when it comes to life and death what was the reason that they were in such a hurry to get to italy you guys remember it was the benefits the benefits it was the cargo And then the storm starts to get so intense that their survival is more important than the payday and they start throwing everything overboard. We'll see if they throw more stuff overboard in the future, but their tackle, it says, with their own hands. This isn't something that you should be doing. They throw it overboard. Now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest beat on us. I like how the Bible talks, Bible language. No small tempest beat on us. It didn't lighten up. It just got harder and worse. Many days, no sun, no stars, no small tempest beat on us. All hope that we would be saved was finally given up. Now, I personally believe you can have uh, another opinion. I personally believe that this is in regards to the the ship as a whole, the morale of the ship as a whole, not speaking specifically of Paul and Luke who was with Paul on this journey. Specifically, the ship had given up and lost hope. And this is the position that we find ourselves in today as well. When people are just giving up hope, things get so bad that they just, they're ready to throw in the towel. And then here comes a guy who's engaged in the process. And this is how we know he's engaged in the process of the storm that he's going through. Because he continues to hear from the Lord in the most difficult periods of the storm. Here we see it, verse 21. But, that's a big but, everybody has given up hope. The world thrives in hopelessness. But after a long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, men, you should have listened to me and have not sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and (laughs) loss. This is Bible flame language for, I told you so. (laughs) Circle the word if you're following along and you see the third word, the word is listened. The third word is listen. Why? Because even though you're in a storm and even though you're you're going through it, you still have a connection with the creator who's communicating, hopefully should be in in the place that you're at, communicating with you about what's going on. And now Paul says, hey, remember you guys when I told you that we shouldn't do that and you did it anyway? Well, guess what? I told you so. But... I'm still engaged in the process with God. I'm still in communion with him. So you better listen up. Hey, hey, church, this is what your lives speak of. Your lives should speak to the degree that when everything else has fallen apart around you, you can say, listen, listen. This is what God's purpose is for you. This is what's happening right now. This is why it's happening. Look what he goes on to say. He says, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. Again, speaking of the things that they just threw overboard, they, 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 they incurred disaster and loss because there were things that they were going to profit from, but they didn't profit from it. They lost it. And now I urge you to take heart for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. Oh. Paul says, I continue to engage with my God in the process and and take heart. He's encouraging them. He's like, You guys take heart. It's okay because the Lord has spoken to me and there will be no loss of life. Isn't this where the true value of life comes from? Isn't this, you guys, listen, isn't this the key of the gospel? The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is that which gives life and life abundantly. And the material possessions of the world, they're always going to be there. You're going to gain and you're going to lose. And you have people that have great many things. I was just talking to a brother the other day who came into a a load of money. And he said, I thought that when I got all this money, all my problems were going to go away. But now I realized... You know, that more money, more problems. It's still funny, like it was last week. More money, more problems, and, and I have more issues today than I did before. Stuff sucks the life out of you. And he says, You guys, if we keep going, trust me, be, be, be prepared that no loss of life is going to come. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, I believe even though you go through the darkest seasons and the most violent storms, God's intentions for you toward you is that you would experience life. But all the stuff on the ship, the material possessions is gone. Guess what else? Who are the two people that decided and made the final decision that the ship was going to go? You remember who it was? It was the helmsman or the captain and the owner of the ship. So we don't know if the owner of the ship was on the ship, but we know he wanted it to go on this trip so he could get his payday. And now guess what? Paul says that you guys are not going to lose your lives, but all of the stuff on the ship is going to be lost, including the ship itself. Take note of that because we're going to look at uh, something that has to do with that in the future. But only of the ship is going to be lost. For there stood by me this night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul, you must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as he just as it was told me. However, we must run aground on a certain island. This Paul guy has insights and the things that he says, it's like he has a connection with a higher power. And these people are being introduced to God through the life of Paul. That's how it should be for us. People are being introduced to God through your life on a daily basis. Let's break this down a little bit because these few verses are very rich. For there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve. Notice he's kind of using language that is not as Christian easy as you would expect. But to stand and say, this is the God that I belong to and this is the God that I serve, and this is what he's saying. What would be their natural response if somebody stood before them and said that? What would yours be? I'd be like, I want to belong to your God. (laughs) How do I belong to your God and serve him? Because you definitely have a perception of things much different than I do. We all still think we may die, but somehow you have this confidence and God's sending angels to you to give you comfort and, and to encourage you. And he says, do not be afraid. To Paul and to the people, you must be brought before Caesar. You know, when God decides to do something, there's no, there's no uh, dialogue about it. He says, this is what, this is what I'm going to do. I'm taking you to Caesar So however bad it gets, don't worry, because you are going to stand before Caesar. Why? Because God is going to use Paul as a mouthpiece to proclaim his son's death, burial, and resurrection. And like I mentioned last week, we're not 100% sure about how or what happened at the destination, but we have two whole chapters in the Bible that talk about the journey and the time that he spends there before he has that meeting. Indeed, God has granted you all those that sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men. I love this. Verse 25. Look at this. Therefore, take heart, men. I believe God. On a ship that could sink at any moment during the storm, he says, take heart. We're going to make it because I believe God. That's our next word. If you're circling them in your Bible or you're taking notes, believe what the world believes and what you believe are two different things. And when life starts to throw you curveballs and storms and things start to get really hard, you have to be able to stand up on your own two feet and say, I know that it's not what it seems because I belong and serve the living God and I believe him. And if his word says that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose, then I believe it. And I'm not moving from that spot. And people are going to start to say, you're different. Your God is different. But unfortunately, in this day and age, in our culture, We have people that want to take the term or title of Christianity and apply it to their lives, but they have no intention engaging God in the process of life and the journey. And the things that they do and say does not line up with how they live their life. And it's like, listen, you say that you're a Christian, but you're really freaking out about this thing, you know? I know because I need to do this and I need to do that. And I, maybe I should have done this differently. Listen, God knows about the storm. He's he, he whirled his little pinky finger and made it for you. I can't wait for 1 Peter, what we're going to get into after we finish this series, because we're going to take a deeper look into that. The purpose of the creating of the storm. I'm really excited about it. Because I believe God has a purpose, and I believe he communicates it to us, and we can know so we have confidence that that he's greater than the storm. I believe, God, that it will be just as it was told me. However, we must run around on a certain island. Notice the confidence in the word of God. Nowadays, you have a you know, church on every corner. You've got all kinds of ministries and things people are doing. But there isn't really any kind of, it seems to be, okay, I'll not be so emphatic. It seems to be in pastoral circles that I'm in and that I talk, people that I talk to, that there's a lessening of the teaching and preaching of God's word. And there's more of a, it's more of a motivational speaking kind of thing. Uh, To some degree, I don't go to other churches. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here to see your beautiful faces this morning. I do listen to some people online from time to time. But the important thing for us as a church in our journey with God is that we are connected to his word. That's why we teach through the Bible, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. The confidence that Paul had was what? It was in God's word. It was in God's word. And if you don't know God's word, this is not to make you feel bad. But if you don't know God's word, you can't have confidence in it. You got to get it. You got to put it in there. You got to sow it. You got to speak the verses. You know, maybe somebody you know is going through a hard time and, and, and you want to give them a Bible verse that has given you uh, rock strong foundation in your life, but you hesitate because they don't receive it well when you tell them this is what the Bible says because they think you think you're holier than they are, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Don't tell them it's a verse. Just say it. They have no idea. And they'll look at you, you know, and they'll say, whoa, that's pretty profound. And you can do one or two. You can go, yeah, I know. That's, That's me, I'm profound. Or you can point back to the source and say, actually... I'm glad you like that, because that's what the Bible says, and that's how I feel, because I understand who God is. So don't get mad. Don't get frustrated that they're tired of you telling them about the Bible. Just tell them the verse. Just say, just repeat the verse. I, I did the one uh, in Romans again because it's so applicable to this text. You know, just say, hey, I know that it's tough, but, you know, if you, if you want to submit to God, all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Wow, that's really profound. Yeah. Where'd you, where'd you get it? Well, it's, in the, it's in the Bible. It's God's Word. Stand on God's Word. Be strengthened in His Word. Paul did, and it made him look differently than everybody else on the ship. The good and the bad. So he says, I believe God just as he had told me, so we're all going to live. However, we must run aground on a certain island. Take note of that. Just tuck that verse away and think about it while we continue. We're going to come back to it. Now, when the 14th night had come, as we were driven up and down the Adriatic Sea about midnight, the sailors sensed that they were drawing near some land. I feel compelled to read that again. Now when the 14th night had come, 14 days, 14 nights, 15 days. You know what that is? All the kids are gone. They're over at McDonald's with Charles and Ronnie. I was going to tell a joke, but I I won't say it. Two weeks, that's that's a fortnight. huh? They've been in the storm for a fortnight. <laughs> there's so much I want to go do with that, but they've been in a storm. The storm's coming for a fortnight, and they haven't eaten anything. And it's, 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 a, it's a struggle. They've been, they've been driven up and down the Adriatic. My wife, my lovely wife and I lived on the, the Adriatic in southern Croatia. The sea that's on, Cro, in Cro, you know, the sea that Croatia is next to is the Adriatic Sea. I love how it says that we were driven up and down. It's like, you ever feel like a ping pong ball? Or you say, I'm going in circles? It's literally what they were doing. Like, they were going in circles. There was no progress to their journey. And it's like, woo, woo, woo. But about midnight, the sailors sensed that they were drawing near some land. Now, in their in their profession, they had learned over the years uh, how to perceive certain things, and they sensed that they were getting close to land. But they already knew that they were going to be getting close to land because Paul said, "The word of God said to me that the, the crew is going to be saved, but the ship's going to be lost. It's going to run aground." So now it says that that they sense that they're drawing near some land. And they took some soundings and found it to be 20 fathoms. Our next word, by the way, is sensed. They sensed what they were trained in. But when we trust God, we will have the sense to know that he's in control and has everything under control. Their sensibility in what they were trained in caused them to fear. When we sense God is moving in our lives, there should be some comfort Has anybody ever said to you that they sense God is moving in your life and you felt like that's a bad thing? No, it's always a good thing when you sense that. They took soundings and found it to be 20 fathoms while they had gotten a little further. They took soundings again and found it to be 15 fathoms. Then fearing lest we should run aground on the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. There's that word again, right? They've received the word from the Lord. They've seen this man's life, but there's a process that they're going through that they're learning. And you know how I know that it's starting to affect them? You guys see how it's starting to affect them in that last verse we just read? What do they do? They prayed. (laughs) They're like, oh man, we don't want to run to the ground and we're going to get ready as much as we can. And Paul, what do you do? I pray. Okay, guys, let's pray. Let's pray to the God of Paul. Please help us. Because they recognize that this man's life looks different than everybody else. They recognize that he's responding differently than everybody else. And they're starting to want to, they're starting to want to engage in the process like they see Paul doing. They dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship... When they had let down the skiff into the sea under pretense of putting out anchors from the prow, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, Unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the skiff and let it fall. This verse also, I want you guys to take note of, remember it. Start thinking about it now. We're going to come back to it in closing and wrap things up, starting with this verse. This is very important. The the sailors are showing a lack of faith in what Paul said was going to happen. So they're going to take matters into their own hands to preserve and save their own life. Think about that. Remember that. And as day was about to dawn, Paul implored them all to take food saying today is the 14th day you have waited and continued without food and eaten nothing therefore i urge you to take nourishment for this is for your survival since not a hair will fall from the head of any of you and when he had said these things he took bread and gave thanks to god in the presence of them all and when they had broken it he, and when he had broken it he began to eat your next word is Paul recognizes where they're at in the process. He affirms them that if they continue to hang on, that everything's going to be OK, and the response from him in the middle of the storm still is to give thanks to God. Have you ever thanked God for something when in your darkest hour? It can be kind of difficult to recognize and say, God, thank you for this. I don't understand it completely right now, but I trust you. And Paul's life looked so differently that he didn't just preach. He practiced what he preached with actions. And these actions were an open thanking of God for the provision that was going to come that was yet unseen. And he did that with the breaking of bread to give them sustenance to get to the end of the journey. That speaks volumes to me because, like I mentioned a minute ago, I feel like there's many people who will take the title of Christian, but when the world is falling around their ears and they're freaking out and losing control and completely upset because they're not engaged in the process that God has them going through, it doesn't line up with With what they say they're connected to. I had a conversation with somebody one time very quickly. I know that we're cutting it kind of close. Somebody I love very dearly, very dearly. Known this person for almost my entire life. And this person had just walked away from the Lord. He was living in the world, he was partying. He, he had a, his, this, his girlfriend and, and they were living in sin and, and they, he was just doing whatever he wanted to do. And, and we got together for lunch one day and I, I'll never forget, we were driving back to my house and, and something just stirred me. It just hit me. He, said, he made some kind of a comment about you know, maybe coming to church with me that Sunday or something it had been a long time and I just lost it. Now, understand that this was somebody very close to me. And I said, listen to me, I don't care. I don't care if you, that you've walked away from the Lord. I don't care that you're living in sin. I don't care that you're making all of the decisions that, that you want to make. I don't care about any of that stuff. Just please, please do me a favor and do not call yourself a Christian. Just don't do it. Just call yourself a heathen and live however you want to live, but don't identify with something that you're so far disconnected from. And it kind of hit. And as I was talking and I was getting passionate, it kind of hit him. And I said, "Listen, the the, the real deal is, do I really care? Yes, I care. I care. Paul said, I didn't come to you with eloquence of speech to try to convince you. I came to you with the word of God and in Power this is what that looks like. It's being on a journey with everybody else. And it's saying that you believe something. And when the opportunity presents itself, you say, I thank God because of this. And the decisions that I make on a daily basis are based in my trust and belief in God. Because I am his and he is mine. And I want to be engaged with him in the process. Now please don't misunderstand what I said about my friend. I want you to understand that the reason I, I, I said that is because there's other verses that say, "Hey, if some, you know, if some aren't responding or repenting, grab them and yank them out of the flames, despising the, 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 even the garment that's defiled by the flesh." I'm trying all that I can. Maybe a little shock will help. And good news, guess what? It did. Like, yeah, well, you either are or you aren't. What are you? Come on. Let your life show what you say you believe. In this storm, one thing's for sure, they saw God working through a person, and they were all responding the opposite way that he was. They were all in the same boat. He didn't have to identify with them in the world and do the things that they, that they did because he identified with his father. And allowed the process of the storm to give him opportunity to share with them. He gives thanks. We give thanks. He eats the bread. They were all encouraged and also took food themselves. He was the example of what it looks like. And they were encouraged and they they took as well. And in all were 276 persons on the ship. So when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and threw out the wheat into the sea. There's, there's, no, there's no more desire for any uh, of taking care of the stuff anymore. They ate and they, they, they lightened the ship more. They were encouraged. And I love how it gives the number 276 persons on the ship. You know what, how many people that is? That's modern day equivalent of, of like an international airliner. It's a lot of people. And you know why I like it gives a number? Because God knows every soul on that boat. I like a few verses before that. Not only does he know every soul, the exact number of people, what does he say? He says, Not a hair on your head will be harmed if you listen to what I'm saying. Because God knows the number of hairs on your head, and he doesn't want any of them to come to harm. Because what God wants for you is life and life abundantly, and you will suffer no loss of life if you listen to what I have to say. It relates so perfectly with the gospel. When it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they observed, <clears throat> observed a bay with a beach onto which they planned to run the ship if possible. And they let go the anchors and left them in the sea. Meanwhile, losing the rudder ropes, they hoisted the mainsail to the, to the wind and made for shore. But striking a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground, and the prow stuck fast and remained immovable, but the stern was being broken up by the violence of the waves." What were they doing? This is so funny, the world. God says, this is something I'm going to do. And they say, I want part of it. And we do that sometimes too. You know, God says, this is something I want to do. And and we say, I want part of that. I don't want the whole thing. I want to keep my ship. So there's a beach. And what do you do on beaches? You just put the boat up nice and easy. And then you get to keep your boat and still make money with it. But what was the word of the Lord that came through Paul? Everything's going to be destroyed. But then they get excited. Oh, there's a beach. Maybe we can keep, hey, drop the anchors, put the sail up, head for the beach. Oh, they didn't see the rocks. And God said, everything's going to be lost. What's more important, your life or the stuff? And they hit and the waves start to beat against the ship and it starts to fall apart. And there's total loss, but not a loss of life. And the soldiers' plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wanting to save Paul, kept them from their purpose. That's our last word. Word number seven is purpose. And whose purpose did he keep them from? Or whose purpose did he keep Paul from? The soldiers. It was their purpose. Because God had a purpose that was greater than their purpose, and they're being motivated selfishly. But Paul has a plan and a purpose. I mean, God has a plan and a purpose for Paul. There's so many Ps. (laughs) God has a plan and a purpose for Paul, and he says this isn't going to happen. So who were the people that wanted to kill the prisoners? Go ahead. The soldiers. Good job, dude. The soldiers were the ones. Wait a minute. Let's back up. Remember that verse that I told you to keep in mind? There was somebody that was getting in boats on the side of the ship to be lowered down. Who were those people? Those were the sailors. And who cut the ropes from the boat? The soldiers. The soldiers. So the sailors, in their professionalism, understanding the weight of the situation, decide that they're going to save themselves, preserve their own life. And Paul says they better not do that. Not everybody will be saved if they do that. And the soldiers, in their righteousness, cut the ropes of the boat. Oh, but now the soldiers want to kill the prisoners. And why do the soldiers want to kill the prisoners? Because in those times, if you were a guard or a soldier guarding prisoners, when you lost one, you paid with your own life. And their fear now is starting to manifest in their lives. And they respond to that fear by doing what? The same thing that the sailors were doing. They want to just preserve their own life. And there's very little of a response by them to what Paul says, what the word of God was spoken in that situation. Isn't that interesting? I can have all the opinions in the world about your life and what you should be doing or not be doing. But then when I'm in it, I may respond a little differently, huh? But it says we we have another, another but but the centurion, wanting to save Paul, kept them from their purpose. I said purpose, not porpoise. That was close. I almost made a mistake. They kept them from their purpose. So at least, listen to this. The process is not over yet. We have a whole other chapter next week. At least one person is being so profoundly impacted by a man who says that he belongs to this God, that he's starting to make decisions based on that. What is he showing? He's starting to show faith in what Paul is saying is the word of God, and his actions are starting to change. Isn't that interesting? His life is being affected to the point where the decisions that he's making are are evidencing what he really believes And that's the truth for you and for me. We can talk all day long about what we believe, but when our decisions start to change based on what we believe, and we stop listening to certain kinds of music and watching certain kinds of movies and stop being in certain kinds of relationships and stop letting our tongue have control over whatever we say, we start to change. Things look differently. Faith is being manifested. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, Paul says in Romans. And I believe that the Word of God so impacted the centurion that his life is starting to change. So my question for you this morning is, you have three options. We see three different responses through this part of the journey. And which can you more closely identify with? You have the sailors' who as the sailors were seeking to escape escape from the ship when they had let down the skiff in the sea under pretense of putting out anchors from the prow, You have the sailors responding to life, responding to the storm in fear and and trying to save themselves. And you have the soldiers and the soldiers' plan. This is something they talked about. They were prepared for. Was to kill the prisoners lest any of them should swim away and escape. Now their lives are in question so they respond accordingly and then we have the third we have the centurion so you have the sailors the soldiers the centurion but the centurion wanting to save Paul kept them from their purpose and commanded that those who could swim should jump overboard first and get to land the journey and and right now i think oh it's over oh, you know, it's, we're off the ship, things are better. It doesn't really get much better next chapter. And you may be in a season of life where you're crying out to God, God, I I get it. I get it. There's a destination. There's a, a place that I'm going to. But why does the journey have to be so difficult? If you stop And embrace the fact that God understands and knows what he's bringing you through. And you say to him, God, I want to engage you in the process of this and understand and know what you're doing is good because you're a good God. Your perspective is going to completely change. And when your perspectives change, you're going to start doing things differently than the world does things. And when you start living differently because of what you have faith in and believe and how your life is being changed people are going to notice it. Well, you're not responding like everybody else on the boat. It's kind of hard. You got one boat, 170 odd people. There's nowhere to hide. You can't, you you know how people act when, when, when their life is in question? And Paul, you could tell through his life and you say, oh, that's Paul. No, it doesn't matter. Listen, I see this in people's lives every day. I have conversations, the most difficult conversations with people about things they go through in their lives. Believe me. And I can tell when somebody says they believe something and it's manifested in their life. And because they say they believe it and because it's manifested in their life, they are living life. And they're not suffering any loss. Get the picture? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this word today, and we thank you, God, that we can be confident in what your plan purposes for us, even though it can be difficult, and and if we respond emotionally and get upset with you, it's just because we don't really understand, and I think that you want us to understand. So God, we pray that you give us that perspective, that we would look at these seven reasons why we should consider the journey this morning and why. Because we God, we want we want to be different. We want to be like you. We want to hear from you. We want to speak truth into other people's lives. We want to be affected and changed. And by the power of of your Holy Spirit. We have this connection and relationship with you and that can happen. Bless my brothers and sisters today, Father. Give them a blessed week. Let us have the right perspective going into this new year, taking every challenge and every mountaintop and valley with a measured response to you, knowing that you are in it and let us be connected to that process in Jesus name